This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. I don't want to get on the bandwagon. I'll burn that wagon down and join the band. Traveling troubadours terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands. Now I waited all my life to get this off my chest screen, buddy murder until someone understands that it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women. I make this noise just because I can. And we'll all join in to that original sin. So let's get rowdy and reckless. Let's get rowdy and reckless. Let's get rowdy and reckless. Just for that. Hello and welcome to another edition of Old Man Strength, a podcast of the Tailgate Society and brought to you by Deadeye Barbecue Sauce, the best damn barbecue sauce in Iowa, in the Midwest, in really the known universe. You can go ahead and check them out on the web at deadeyebbq.com. Go ahead and visit us at thetailgatesociety.com. I am Tim Johnson, joined as always by Mr. Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing tonight? Doing great, doing great. Much more, much less anxiety this week than I did last week. <laughs> I'll give everybody uh, two guesses as to why. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, it is certainly uh, a different climate. For those of you who have listened, who listened to our last podcast, uh, it was recorded right before the election. Um, so we were a little bit on edge <laughs> to say, um, but uh, certainly our outlook is probably a little bit different. Um, but aside from from the election, how has your week gone, Chris? I've been too bad. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I think some of the COVID numbers are going in the wrong direction still, and that's a little disappointing, but. Uh, and we may be going back into some quarantine and lockdown. So I actually, uh, as a result of that, started kind of digging into Netflix and looking at movies and, and was talking about, you know, what good movies are out there and, and things like that. And my nephew, my nephew texted me last night, uh, who listens to the show and he's like, he's like, are you guys, uh, you guys teased at the last episode about talking about movies or whatever. And I was like, yeah, he's like, he's like, do you remember, uh, grandpa having, um, a laser disc player? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> now to give some concept for all the young people out there, laser disc is, looks like a DVD only. It's about the size of a regular old record. Like a, yeah. It's like the old LP records. And you would have this big old player that you would put this big disc in, and it was a it was a digital copy of it. But the movie was so big that you had to stop and flip the disc over <laughs> play from the other side. It was it was all of the convenience of a CD with all of the hassle of a record. Absolutely. Right. So my nephew said he said he was uh, he was staying at grandma and grandpa's house and. Uh, he found this movie called Airplane, the old classic airplane movie. And he said, you know, I put it in and I was like, I'll just watch this till I go to bed. But if you, for those that remember, 
they used to, when it got to the end of the disc, it would just pause on whatever scene it was on and just pause there and stop. And then you'd have to flip the disc over. Mm-hmm. They said he fell asleep. Unbeknownst to him that in that movie on the pause was the scene where the girl's shirt flies open and her big boobs are just hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, next morning, grandma comes walking down the stairs. <laughs> and there's some big boobs on the TV and he's sound asleep. <laughs> and she's like, Travis, what are you watching? And he like came out of the dead sleep and he's like what i was just watching a movie i swear to god i was just watching a movie and so then of course they took him upstairs and grandpa was grilling him about what he was watching and he's like i'm telling you right now i was just watching airplane i wasn't watching anything else he's like at that point i was in tears i was crying because i thought i was in trouble (laughs) he's like until like three weeks later, I got to spend the night again, and my and grandpa was like, "Let's watch Airplane," and and Travis was like, "Okay," and then when it paused on there, he was like, "See, I told you it wasn't my fault." <laughs> I laughed and laughed. I was like, "I've never heard that story before." Uh, oh my gosh, it was so funny. That is awesome. Um, I I had uh, Airplane on VHS. Uh, as as a youngin, I eventually got it on DVD. While I did have a laserdisc player, I don't think I ever had Airplane on on laserdisc. So I'm I can't say that I can I can relate to that. But that is pretty fantastic. Uh, I can certainly relate to the idea of of you know whenever there was cause it, it seemed like there were a lot more like gratuitous sex scenes in movies. And they are now. They've gotten a little bit more artful about it. But watching a sex scene with with your parents, or God forbid, your grandparents, uh, yeah, that would be that would be plenty awkward for yeah. sure. Right. I we were watching. Uh, Stacy and I were watching Fargo last night. Typically, our evenings are spent watching Survivor reruns because I'm obsessed that I could totally win that show. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I said, let's let's just do something. I said, have you ever seen this? She's like, I think I've seen a little bit of it every once in a while. So we watched Fargo last night. And to that, to your point, it's a phenomenal movie. Mm-hmm. But there's like one scene where um, he just picks up this chick and they do it. And her boobs are bouncing around for like 10 seconds of the screen. And then, and then that's right before that guy busts in the door and then beats the crap out of him that the guy that's working at the dealership that set it all up anyways. And I'm like, we totally could have had this movie and not had to have seen that. I mean, not that I was complaining, but (laughs) that was a, that was a scene that I was like, we totally could have had this movie and there'd have been no reason to show that. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Again, not that I'm a prude. I'm just saying it goes to your point that there's a lot more gratuitous, just useless sex scenes in those that don't really bring anything to the plot. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's funny too, because, you know, this was from the time where they were making a whole bunch of, you know, made for TV movies when, when movies were, would be on network TV, you know, more often. And so they would have to make an edit that could edit down to commercials, but then would also edit out some of the more, gratuitously violent or sexual scenes or you know 
dubbing the the melon farmer and Monday to Friday and and, and um and all of that uh yippee mother nature but uh <laughs> um <laughs> you know how they do that though like I just found this out today believe it or not I was uh I was at my accountant's office he was helping me fill out Caitlin's yearly FAFSA stuff because I don't have any freaking idea how to fill that stuff out Oh, sure. It usually takes about 15 minutes, but we end up talking for like an hour. But he was telling me that his brother-in-law used to work for uh, for TV and radio and whatever. And that his brother would like take movies. And if they knew that, say, a game overran by like a half an hour or whatever, and then the movie was going to be on after that on a TV station or on a network, mm-hmm. they would run this through like this software emulator. And it would literally, like if there was a, a non-talking scene that maybe wasn't super important to the plot, it would automatically just remove that and cut oh. it so that that time frame would still fit in the remaining time that they had because they weren't going to cut any commercials, of sure. course. Yeah. So, But that's how they would trim those, that's how they trim those movies. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah. So like if there's a scene there where a guy is just standing on a bridge and maybe he's off in thought looking across the bridge for... 40 or 45 seconds contemplating they'll cut that out because it's not really a talk scene that is super important to the movie or whatever, but the software does all of it. Well, shoot. How the hell would you do a movie like Castaway? I, you'd whittle that down right? to like 45 seconds. <laughs> oh, <right? laughs> the whole time on the ocean or on the Island would have been cut uh, off. Yeah. Uh, shoot. That's, that's the second Castaway reference in as many uh podcasts we got it we got to think about new movies um (laughs) uh yeah no that's that's interesting i did not uh i did not know that um but i mean i suppose it 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 makes sense uh, especially like you said for the whole the whole a game running long or whatever you have the the infamous heidi incident where they started a movie instead of letting the game go to overtime and you know how that kind of changed everything for for network tv um but man i don't know i'm honestly i i spend so much time streaming i don't really watch a whole lot of network tv anyway i but i don't think you know you have your abc sunday movie of the week or anything like that anymore i i just i remember watching a lot more r-rated movies made PG for the sake of showing on on network TV. Um, Airplane is probably one of those that would have been trickier to do that just because uh, so many of the jokes uh, would get lost anyway. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, network TV is not necessarily, I I don't, there's very few shows on network TV I watch anymore. Um, And I, I guess if you want to be honest, I, they don't, they don't really have to come up with any new ideas because they're just remaking shit over and over again anyway. So, I mean, most of the time, they just take a TV show and turn it into a movie, which is a terrible idea. Oh, for sure. And and you have a lot of these TV... I mean, how many things have we seen? Uh, they, you know, they redid Hawaii Five-0 uh, here within the last, you know, decade or so. Uh, they've brought back different versions of something like 90210, um, 
a, a whole host of these ideas. It, first of all, some of these shows that weren't that good the first time around. So I don't know yeah. why they why they needed it to go ahead and make them. Um, Magnum PI. I hated that show as a kid. Hated you it. hate you hated Magnum PI. I couldn't watch it. Couldn't watch oh, it. Didn't like the stuffy, yeah. smart Alec British guy. I didn't like him. Uh, I I gotta tell you, I was such a big Tom Selleck fan. There's no way I I wasn't going to. Um, you know, and, hey, to this day, I will still rock a Hawaiian shirt and short shorts if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, I know that shocks you, right? That I'm not a I'm not a Magnum PI fan. Yeah, I was no, more of a Remington Steel guy. Oh, Remington Steel. Uh, they haven't tried to remake that, have they? No, they haven't. <sighs> no. Good. I I think that's one that you just kind of have to 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 leave alone you know i mean there's there's some of them i'm surprised they haven't tried to remake but i'm glad that that's one that, that they've left alone and then when they turn them into into movies so the tv shows have become movies because you know at that point if you're a fan of the show you're envisioning in your head well this guy would play this guy and this guy would be perfect here and whatever and i can't think of one that they did a good job where i was like satisfied right yeah, I mean, most most of them when they try to to do them, I guess that I can think of uh, Dukes of Hazard, Starsky and Hutch. They tried to make them a little bit campy or send ups. I guess I don't know. Do you have do you have something in mind where they actually tried to do a legitimate uh, execution of a TV show as a movie? Well, I think the A Team was probably a, a a legitimate shot. Oh yeah, no, that's true. But yeah, it, and that was I growing up. That was I mean that was appointment TV for me. I had to watch the A Team. It was great, but it was well. I mean, first of all, the dude they got to play B A Baracus, the the MMA fighter. Uh, yeah, was, you can't. That guy was terrible. Uh, Rampage Jackson. Rage. Yeah, Quentin, Quentin Rampage Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, and he had just gotten arrested for, like, leading cops in a high-speed chase, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, man, he was he was nothing like B.A. Barack. I, hey, I'm I'm with you, man. I had an, an A-team lunchbox as a kid, the B.A. Yep. Barack is thermos. Um, you know, I, I think I think my, my mom, that was a show she didn't mind me watching because no one ever got killed on the A-team and they all got shot with, like, rubber bullets and whatever. Yeah, they were terrible <laughs> shots. For a crack green beret outfit, they were terrible shots. Yeah, right? Right? Um, uh, yeah, no, I guess, yeah, that's that's one. I mean, I, you know, some of the casting, I think, was, was okay. Bradley Cooper was probably uh, a, a good cast for that. Yeah, he, that, was, that was early in his career, too, I think, right? That He wasn't... Uh... He he hadn't been in a lot of stuff right up until then, I don't think. Yeah, no, he'd been in, in kind of things here or there. He was kind of a, a that guy actor, not like an an it name actor, you know, like one of those guys that you knew you recognized from like three other movies, but you didn't necessarily you know, like I think about when he was in um Wedding Crashers. That was I still watched him in that movie. Oh that man, the entire he, movie. He was but, such a perfect smarmy jerk. Yeah. Yes. My buddy and I would sit there and just quote that movie over and over and over again. 
<laughs> I know you're lying because I'm a phenomenal fucking dancer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's the only line that I ever go to when I when I do a really bad uh, Owen Wilson impression because I'm just like Claire's mom made me feel her hooters. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Vince Vaughn is great in that movie. Uh, I, I mean, he's 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 very quintessential Vince Vaughn. Um, yes, you know, I'm not going to necessarily say that Vince Vaughn is is known for his stellar range, but what he does, what I mean, I I remember in like the early 2000s, what was that movie, The Cell? Hmm. Uh it was a psychological thriller. He was not good at that. And that's when he just realized, you know what? I'm going to just play the same role I did in Swingers. And I'm going to do yeah. it again in old school. But this time being old, you know, a dad that still kind of play that, that cocky, smart aleck, funny guy. And do it again in, in Wedding Crashers. And do it again in uh, The Breakup and all the other ones. But, man, hey. I, more power to him. He's he's made a career out of that one type of archetype, just as good as anyone else. Yeah, no, totally. And he, there are some actors that do that. They they do the same thing over and over and over again. It's the same character, the same character. So yeah, um, I guess it, it, it's a good job if you can get it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I would I would absolutely take that. Don't don't get me wrong. Um. So- so eighteen was bad. What's another bad remake you think that just didn't hit the mark? Even if it was just another movie that was remade, because that's what they, they just recycle them back out now. Yeah, that's they have been doing remake. a lot of that. Um, I, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, and I swear this is not a sexist thing. Uh, this wasn't. I guess this wasn't really a remake. Maybe just taking place in the same universe. I don't know how you consider it. I did not care for uh, uh, the new Ghostbusters, the reboot. Yeah, that's on my list. Yeah, and yeah. and it's not it. I, it's not the women. I, no. I, to me, there are certain movies that you shouldn't even be touched. Yeah, first of all, right. Ghostbusters is probably untouchable, and that's a lot. That's easy to say as like a nerdy white guy uh, who grew up with that movie. Like we we probably hold something sacred that we probably don't need to hold sacred. Uh, that said, that movie, I mean, it would be like trying to remake Caddyshack. Like that, you just just don't touch it, right? Yeah, yep, yeah. You can't. And I I didn't. I watched a little bit of it. I I also think when they remake a movie and try to use the exact same plot points, that kind of is not, I mean, if you're going to remake it, then at least come up with a new, like a reinvention, right? Yeah. That's to me, another one was the longest yard. It's like, it was the exact same plot over. All they did was just plug in brand new actors. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we've had this conversation with with Ted before, fearless leader Ted Flint. I want to say that he has an affinity for the newer Longest Yard, uh, but to me, it just felt like a really just a bad attempt at modernizing the exact same movie. Yeah, and and it was an excuse to have all these 
all-star wrestling slash football players just have cameos. Yeah, right. So that's, that's you know, what you have... I mean, not that I didn't enjoy. I mean, as a, as a as a fan and a wrestling fan and and a football fan, it was neat to see some of these people in there. And surprisingly, I'll tell you who I think did a really good job in that movie was Michael Irving. Uh, like, Michael, yeah, I was just gonna say the same thing. Is I, I was. I was actually it's not surprised. a stretch that he acted as a wide receiver. I get that. But I mean, some of the scenes outside of that, he was pretty good. I he, thought he was certainly better than some of the other kind of sports cameos we've seen over the years for sure. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was all the Coke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure, no, I, I'm sure yeah. he was clean for that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, I, I would I would agree. I think he actually did it pretty decent. But again, yeah, that is that is a movie that I don't think needed to be remade uh, in any way, shape, or form. I certainly don't. You know, it, it was it was kind of a, at you know the height of Adam Sandler, but I certainly don't know that he would have been the one that I would have cast in that role in any way, shape or form. Not that he did a terrible job with it, but um, I, I would not ever imagine him as, as a former professional football player, let alone a quarterback. Yeah. Right. Maybe a Julian Edelman type, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but not, not an all pro quarterback. No. Um, the other thing that I didn't, I just, I also kind of have is they always tend to bring somebody back from the original as a cameo. Oh yeah. So like Burt Reynolds, Burt Reynolds was in, you know, as a, as a cameo. And and I just was like, eh, I'm not, I'm not super thrilled with that. Um, and, uh, Dan Aykroyd was, was in, uh, in Ghostbusters, right? Yeah. 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 He was. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I get they're making a nod to, to the old, I suppose one franchise that I don't think brought back any of the originals was, uh, was Ocean's Eleven. I think that, that remake, I don't think they, they brought back any of the original Rat Packers that were in the, in that one. And, you know, speaking of that one, they made an homage to him in the third one when they said you, you shook Frank Sinatra's hand. Yeah. Should know better. So that was more of an homage to him. But that's actually on my list is one of the ones that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Now, I granted the original Ocean's Eleven was what mid sixties, I think. I, I I don't late fifties maybe. Um, but I loved the Brad Pitt George Clooney Ocean's trilogy. Not so much twelve. I didn't care for twelve, um, but. I, I think, I like him. yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're on to something about the amount of time that has passed, right? I, uh, you know, to, to go 40 years in the past, as opposed to 25 years in the past, I think is certainly, there's something to be said, certainly a casino heist movie in the sixties and the technology that they, that, that they had for security, <laughs> um, compared to, uh, in the 21st century, obviously they had you know whole new challenges that they had to bring to to a casino heist. So that that certainly made something fresh and new. Uh, and I think that's fair. That's almost that's 
you know, that's almost like a reimagining of a story in the way that, like, um, uh, Cruel Intentions was was a retelling of Dangerous Liaisons, right? Like, I, like I think that's that's maybe because uh, you're bringing a whole new twist. You're bringing it into kind of a whole new era. I guess some of these other ones, I don't know that I really saw. I mean, even even uh, the Longest Yard, right? There was some. There was probably 35 years between the two of them or whatever. I don't know that I saw a whole lot of attempts to bring it into uh, modern day other than, you know, the car chase on live national TV at the very beginning of that movie. Right. Um, otherwise, like you said, it, they were basically just telling the same story. It was yeah, and and from and they used the same character names, I think, in that one or whatever. At least in in the remake of Ocean's Eleven, they didn't. I mean, other than Danny Ocean, yeah. Um, the the rest of it, it was all to me an original story. Now I I went and watched the original original one after this one came out, uh, and I don't remember a lot about it, but I I and I really liked in in the updated ones how much back and forth there was and just inside dialogue between the characters like they knew what was going on and they were talking to themselves and keeping the audience a little out of you know out of out of the conversation kind of a deal you know what mm-hmm. i mean like they had an inside joke and they weren't letting the audience in on it and things like that um so those things were were, were super cool uh and i don't think there was a bad cast in that either i don't think there was one person that was maybe miscast in that movie no, that one was probably really, really perfectly cast. Um, uh, you know, just I think the the neat thing about that is that they took uh, the ethos of the original, which was kind of the height of the cool, and they carried that over as well. You had, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that type of of just general uh, palette in in the newer one. So, you know, I thought that was nice. Um, I don't know any, any other any other movies or any other TV shows that that you've seen some some remakes of that you're just uh, frustrated watching. Well, let's talk about. Uh, so I knew I started. I it dawned on me at some point that I started raising my kids incorrectly when Caitlin told me that she really thought the new Karate Kid with Jaden Smith and and uh, oh jeez. The guy, what's the other guy's name? Man, I'm getting old. See, this is what happens. You get old and you... Uh, I gotta look. Why yeah, can't I remember his name? Um, I'm gonna be honest. I did not watch a minute of The Karate Kid, uh, the new one, because that was such uh, a huge franchise for me as a kid uh all three of them uh, and i'm leaving them <laughs> at that i'm not kind of saying the new stuff plus i don't know i just i get kind of challenged by jaden smith making these movies through i don't know um Jackie Chan was... Oh, was, Jackie Chan, yeah. yeah. Which I like Jackie Chan. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. Uh, first of all, I'm pretty sure he, I, and I don't know, maybe somebody will be like, no, you're an idiot. But I'm pretty sure he taught him Kung Fu and they named the movie Karate Kid. That's my first problem with it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. I took judo as a kid, so I don't, I don't know. Um, I can't answer but that. I did not. I hated that movie. I hated the remake. I hated that they even touched it. I didn't. It, it was terrible. And Karate Kid, the original one, is like another one of those that I'm just. It, it's it's hard to touch. Very hard to touch. Which is part of the reason why I absolutely love Cobra Kai on the YouTube. Or well, now it's on Netflix. Yeah. I literally binge watched seasons one and two on that. It 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 totally took me right back to my childhood and to 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 that genre. Oh, it was it was perfect. I so now they lost me a little bit on season two. They got a little too. I don't know the on on season one they towed the line between, you know, giving reference to the old show and and admitting that there's a little bit of kind of camp and cheese to to some of that when you look at it, uh, you know, this much later. But there's also, you know, it was still done really kind of smartly. I thought some of the the things in season two kind of got a little over the top. Um, I don't know. I, I, I do like that they brought back uh, Crease. I thought that was uh, a, a nice surprise on there. But I really like how they've they've told the story. You know, you saw the the you saw all of the Karate Kid through Daniel's lens, and now you get to see it through Johnny's lens, and, and you're understanding that that Johnny's life wasn't as rosy as it was made out to be. He was, you know, he was supposed to be the privileged, rich kid in in the Karate Kid movies. Now you're seeing that you know his upbringing wasn't perfect, and his his relationship with his, with his parents was terrible, and he felt like he was the victim. He felt like he was being sucker punched or, or whatever. Um, Which there's a, there's a whole little YouTube video of that out there. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, where, where it's all spliced together, that it totally makes it believable that Daniel's the asshole and the jerk, and and Johnny's not. Which I there's there's a little bit to that, right? Like the scene where he dumps all the water in, the, in a Halloween party. I mean, at that point, yeah. It, over. Yeah. And yeah. and FYI, I, there were there were times when I was a kid where I I got my ass kicked. I didn't go looking for it like I <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, um yeah, I mean well, hey, I'm going to go I will go to my grave believing that that Johnny Lawrence did not win the All Valley tournament. They they explicitly say that that you you can't kick the face and he wins the kick to the face. So right. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, that's a plot hole for me. That's, that's, that's a major plot hole for me. Kicks him right in the nose in the complete middle of the face. Like how is that not an illegal kick? Yeah. But you know, it's, it's, it's nice that, um, you know, I think kind of like what we're we're talking about with some of these things is some things are classic and timeless, and you let them. You know, they're classic and timeless for a reason, so maybe just let them be classic and timeless for a while. And then some things 
it's worth re-examining. Um, and I think Cobra Kai is a perfect example of, you know, they did, they're not hurting the legacy of the original. They're allowing the original to, to remain kind of classic and timeless, but still re-examine it with a new lens. And I think that's one of the things that, that you struggled with with three makes before is that they're not, they're not looking at anything through a new lens. And this, this certainly does bring that. Yeah. I, um, I would much rather them, if they're going to bring back a movie or whatever else, I don't want to see the same movie remade. I would much rather see those characters and where they're at now X number of years later after the movie has happened, right? Let's let's have not necessarily a sequel, but let's see a continuation of like what Cobra Kai has done off of Karate Kid. Like what are their lives like now and how do they interact or whatever else? Stuff like that, I think I would be much more interested in watching than just the retread of the same movies over and over and over again, the same thing over and over again. You know, kind of... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it kind of gets into this space where I think some other movie franchises or things that have lived within the same universe, you're really starting to see universe expansions more than, than ever. You see this in the Star Wars universe... Uh, from anything from the Mandalorian to, um, you know, what other continued movies that J.J. Abrams or whoever is going to bring out. Um, and it blurs that line between revisiting a concept, expanding on a concept, updating it, and just kind of a straight-up sequel, right? I mean, I, I don't know that... You know, there were, what, eight Police Academy movies. I don't know that, that we would consider that they were bringing anything new to the table uh, in any one of those. Um, but I don't know, you know, maybe that that time for those kind of tidy little neat definitions of movie sequels versus remakes kind of goes to the wayside and we just have, you know... Do these things take place in the same universe, but also maybe they believe in different facts and different truths and different things that happened? I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I would, uh, I, I've always thought that one that would be really interesting to see a story arc of would be within the Godfather franchise. But in that time period, if you've seen the Godfather movies, in Godfather 2, you see young Vito and, and the children really young. And then it splices into older when Michael is still running things and trying to become legitimate and so on. But there's that whole time frame of, of when Vito just becomes powerful and those kids are growing up in that crime fam family. You so, know, when they, let's say Sonny is in his you know late teens and, and, and things like that. That to me would be fascinating to see those characters completely recast uh, but in that time frame with a completely different story arc, that would be interesting for me to watch than for them to say, let's we're just going to remake Godfather and replay the same movie and 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 see new characters act out the exact same plot. Yeah, no, no I, I, I like that idea. Um, it kind of reminds me of, you know, not quite the same because you're not recasting, but um what Vince Gilligan is doing now with Better Call Saul as it relates to Breaking Bad. Yeah. 
uh, is that it's the same thing, but they're not really related. You can't really, you know, this happens before Breaking Bad, and it does develop a character. Basically, it, that's what it's doing is it's taking a character that was a minor character in Breaking Bad and developing it into a larger character. I don't know that you can call it a spinoff. It's not the Joni Loves Chachi of, of Breaking Bad. Hey, I, I won't uh, stand for any Joni loves Chachi. <laughs> but I, it, Chachi it is, it is kind of one of the. Right? He's my favorite, you know. <laughs> but yeah, but no, like the thing that I like about that is it is taking a character that was kind of interesting and re-examining it, uh, his backstory, and learning a little bit more about how he came to be. And so it's kind of what you're saying about with Godfather of, you know, casting that to learn a little bit more about uh, character developments, which I think is, is an interesting way to to kind of bridge this. Is it a sequel? Is it a remake? Is it uh, just a reimagining of the universe? That type of thing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of an interesting development that I think has, has happened a lot more recently. I, I loved Breaking Bad. I, I tend to sometimes... Uh, don't get on the bandwagon until it's almost over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually had not started watching Breaking Bad until uh, I think the the day after the season or the series finale ended. I was reading something on CNN about the show ending, and I just I knew you know off the top of my head that it was just some science teacher that started making meth, mm-hmm. and I was so I read a little bit of the synopsis and I was like, man, where have I been for the last seven years that I didn't watch this show? So I started streaming it right after that. So and I loved it. Did the same thing with Sons of Anarchy. I think I didn't start watching that until it got into season seven. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, how did I miss this? Why didn't I watch this show? But with Better Call Saul, I've kind of dropped off. I didn't watch it. I think I watched the first two episodes and I was like, it's almost like for me, sometimes I'm like, uh, eh, but it's not the characters I really care about and it's not gonna have any of the people I like, so I would I would implore you to watch it again. It's some fantastic some of the best acting on TV I have ever seen in my entire life. It does take a little bit to get going. One of the biggest strikes against Better Call Saul is that there's like 12 years in between episodes. Uh I mean, not in the life of of the characters, not in the universe of the show. It's just that for whatever reason, each season has, has these huge, like two year gaps. And Bob Odenkirk is going to be 20 years older than he was at, at, uh, the beginning of breaking bad. And this is supposed to predate all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, man, it is definitely, you know, they, they probably struggle to maintain an audience just because they make them wait for so long. Uh, but you know, at the same time in, in, in the world we live in now where, where you can't trust TV ratings, a really good TV rating weekend for a show would have been a lousy rating for it 20 years ago. That's because streaming is completely taken over and people don't watch shows one episode at a time. They binge them. That's really common. Um, and man, I, I, I'm going to say go back and, and, and give, Better Call Saul, uh, another another watch. Bob Odenkirk is is not uh, obviously fantastic. Uh, Rhea Seahorn uh, as Kim Wexler is one of the better characters. I she is just a badass. I 
absolutely love her on that show. I think, uh, you know, Mike McKeon does a really good job uh, as as Jimmy's brother. Uh, but again, some still pretty, pretty innovative storytelling too. some pretty kind of smart stuff. And then you also you get uh, Mike from Breaking Bad. Uh, starts to play a lot larger role as as the series progresses, and his character development is pretty interesting too. Well, I will I will say it's probably not the show. It's probably more me because I've just now written a list here of shows that I've started that I really liked that I have yet to finish because I don't know if I just get bored with it or whatever. And you're let, let's on a scale of one to ten. You tell me on each one of these how seriously stupid I am for not watching these, not finishing them. So obviously we've established that I'm an idiot for not even beginning Better Call Saul. So Yeah, no, no, that's dumb. Uh, the Boys. <laughs> I watched season one of The Boys on Amazon Prime. Have you seen this show? I have not yet. That's one yeah. I've been waiting to watch. Sure. I heard some critical stuff early and then people started to kind of get tired of it. So I've been kind of waiting to see how it ages before I get into watching. So, episode four, season one is probably the best episode of television I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I was Jones for the ending. The second season come out. I've yet to start it. I just can't. I just, I, I don't know why I just don't, I'm not super jazzed to watch it. And that's weird, right? Mm-hmm. Man in the High Castle. Have you seen this show? I, I haven't watched this one either. So do you know what this is about? Yes. Okay. So for those that may not know, the Man in the High Castle is basically Germany and Japan win the war, and they pretty much split the United States into two territories. And there's a film that is going out that shows actually the end of the war of the United States winning it. And they... And the Japanese and, and German government are trying to find the people that are making these propaganda films. And it was amazing. I, I watched probably the first three seasons, and it's now in season four, I think. And I just have yet to, to gear up to watch it. I don't, I, I don't know if I'm going to be more disappointed or if somewhere in season three it got a little slow for me and I started to lose interest. But at that point, I was physically invested and then once the break happened, I just haven't went back to it. But kind of the same deal. I just don't feel I sometimes will think, oh, I should watch that. And I'll go, eh, it's been so long since I've watched it. I, I don't know if I remember this or if you know what I mean, that that kind of a deal. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a show that I couldn't tell you why I haven't watched it. Uh, you know, the premise has always seemed interesting to me. I think it's almost be that's been one where I've almost been worried that I was going to have to invest too much. And sometimes, yeah. sometimes I'll like, I'll look at like, I'll be like, uh, you know, I only have so many shows I want to like care enough about at a time. And right. so, and so that one is always kind of, cause again, the, the premise has always sounded really interesting to me. Um, but no, I, I I haven't launched it, so it very well could be that it's getting slow. I could see how that would have a hard time kind of carrying on. I can think of shows. Uh, Walking De- Dead did that to me. That's, uh, that's my list. Yeah, Wa- Walking Dead was one of those shows where I went away from it when it got to the really bad kind of slow 
you know, exposition stuff like on the farm. And that was just a terrible season. And I'm like, I give up on it. And then I think I think that's what season two. Yeah. And, and then season three, I kind of got for whatever reason, I think it was just because of when it was on um, TV, I started watching it again and got back into it. And then I kind of quit cold turkey when Negan showed up. So that one on your list. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with. I I made it through Negan. Once Rick left, I was, I I've I've lost interest. Like to me, not that. And again, I, I'm familiar with. I have a passing knowledge of of the graphic novels. I I'm not going to pretend like I'm one of those guys that that watched The Walking Dead because of the graphic novels. I mean, I I knew they existed prior to the show. Uh, being there and I had a friend that was really into him so he would talk about him all the time I did not have a big thing like that and I understand you know what Negan was all about but to me part of what made Walking Dead so good was character development and when Negan showed up I felt like they had made the jump to just being graphic for the sake of being graphic they were killing off all of the likable characters and at that point i'm like i don't like any of these people why do i give two shits what happens to them yeah i and i think they got a little overload too when they came out with fear of the walking dead and then next thing you know there was so much of that show on which i thought the premise of that would be really cool to see this slow demise of civilization yeah and by three episodes, they already had factions of people trying to kill them. And I was like, we, I mean, it went, it, the society went to shit that fast. Like, I just say it, it moved too quick and I just didn't care about any of those characters. So yeah, I gave up after about like three or four episodes of that too. Yeah. Now this last one I think might surprise you. Okay. The West Wing. Um, I mean, first of all, yeah, watch it. I kind of—that's a show I should probably go back and watch. Uh, it's one of those that people keep on saying, "Boy, you have to watch it." Uh, now knowing everything that we know over the last four years, um, and you know, you know, things come up here and there. Um, I, certainly, I would prefer to have Martin Sheen as our president, um, but. Uh, um, I, I guess there are parts of that that got a little, I don't want to say preachy, but maybe moralistic rather than just telling good stories. So I don't blame you for for giving up on that. That said, I, I think it's, that's a quality show beginning to end, but you know what, man, maybe that's one of those shows because there have been a couple of these shows I've gone back and rewatched, and I've been like, oh, you know, either it doesn't hold up or um, it got uh, it got too much credit just because of what it meant at the time and not necessarily for how genius it was, period. So maybe that's one of those, but I don't know. No, I'll, 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 I'll say give, give West Wing another shot. I'm 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 trying. I I think my problem with West Wing is, and I'm gonna. It's sometimes the dialogue is just too much for me. Like I yeah. don't I don't want to have to like think about what they're talking about. 
and they they fire off so fast and quick against each other and whatever. And I get that that's the the general gist of the show because it's the White House and things are moving fast and blah 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 blah. But I just like sometimes I need it. I, I need something to be dumbed down for me so I can just enjoy it and not have to think. Yeah, I mean it's definitely uh, an Aaron Sorkin esque type of show, right? Um, he probably didn't have to make it such that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. It, it definitely kind of has his, his, uh, you know, hyper intellectual conversations on crack type of, of approach to dialogue for sure. Yeah. It's it's on my list. It queues up every time I get into Netflix. It says, "Hey, remember you were watching this? You should watch this." And I, but yeah. all right. Well, you know what? Why don't we go ahead and take a break? We'll grab a word from our sponsor. But when we return, a couple of things I want to pick back up on. One, I have some questions for you. So be thinking about either shows that they shows or movies they haven't remade yet that you hope they don't Two shows they haven't done a remake of that you would be interested in or, or movies that you'd be interested in exploring more and three to kind of tie this around to the general conceit of our show and that there's some lessons to be learned here. What are, what, what's, what is the, what can we kind of glean from this conversation that we can impart the wisdom that we possess on our listeners? So be thinking of that. Um, but we will be back after a word from our sponsor, Deadeye Barbecue Sauce. Back when I started Deadeye, I knew I wanted to innovate the barbecue game. Since day one, we've offered a premium barbecue product unlike anything else on the market. Great Aunt Irene had something special tucked away on a recipe card in her cupboard, and there was no way we weren't going to do something about it. So we decided to take it one step further, introducing Deadeye Superfood Barbecue Sauce. We've got five new flavors, graviola, acerola, pink guava, acai, and dragon fruit. They're the first of its kind, and they're packed with flavor. Find it at your local grocer today or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Welcome back. In case you have forgotten in the last 30 seconds or so, you are listening to Old Man Strength. Along with Chris Shipley, I am Tim Johnson. Want to give a quick shout out to all the other Tailgate Society podcasts and content. If you want to see everything else we have to offer from podcasts, all of the other podcasts within the Tailgate Society network, go ahead and visit us at thetailgatesociety.com and click on podcast and you can see a whole host of them. Uh, we're not that drunk. Culture check, matinee baseball, bitter units. Stuff and Things, which recently came back. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting uh, a few others. Uh, Sports and Corks, how could I forget that with the Emilys? Um, anyway, a whole lot of, of great podcasts as well as some, some one-off podcasts, a lot for you to listen to. So please download, like, rate, subscribe, review, 
tell your mom. However, you can get the word out, word out about the podcast, please do. As well as check out all the other great content, anything from sports to pop culture to reading a bunch of idiots arguing over what the best Thanksgiving food is. We've got all kinds of content, <laughs> written content as well on thetailgatesociety.com. So please go ahead and check us out. But when we left before the break, we were kind of talking about maybe some some movies or TV shows or whatever that maybe we would consider to be untouchable. Certainly, we, we've already seen some remakes. We mentioned some things like Ghostbusters. Maybe would have, we would have thought would have been untouchable. Um, but Chris, I guess I'll start off with this this first question. Is there anything that under no circumstances whatsoever they should even touch? Yep. So uh, I threw this uh, question out yesterday on our Twitter feed as well, at Old Strength. And um, the first one that came to me was is that they should never, ever, ever touch Back to the Future. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. A thousand times. Yes. If Jaden Smith ever shows a stupid face in a DeLorean, <laughs> I will lose it. That is, yes, a thousand times. Yes. On that one. Yeah, Absolutely. They can't, they can't touch that series. It's it's phenomenal. And to me, the second one is probably more of my favorite because of the future stuff that you go back and you look and you go, well, none of that was right. <laughs> The fact that they then intertwine the first movie back into it again, and they're there twice, and it's all intertwined, is a, is just brilliant to me. It's it's brilliant. The third one loses me a little bit, like the whole Western thing. Yep. But I get it. I understand they had to go to a different time frame or whatever, but mm-hmm. Back to the Future, number one on my list, and I agreed with it from, from one of our listeners that we should definitely not remake that one. Yeah, no, and by the way, that also brings up a, a a a good thing too. Please, we have have joined Twitter as well, so please check us out there. Uh, it's a great way for us to kind of engage with you guys. And if we're going to have these topics, if there's anything you guys want to hear us talk about, please reach out to us. We'll ask you questions from time to time as well. So, uh, thank you, Chris, for for very gently reminded me of that as well uh, um what else kind of got brought up as things that shouldn't be be touched so this next one i've never seen never watched it um there'll be outrage on twitter tonight after i say that i've never watched five seconds of the goonies and apparently it should not ever be remade so uh thank you guys for joining the very last episode of old man strength I regret to inform you that I can no longer work in this type of environment. You've never seen the Goonies? Never seen it. What? Never seen it and and have no desire to see it. I couldn't even tell you what it's about. How about that? I couldn't even tell you what it's about. All I know is it's got it's got one of the Corys in it, right? Or maybe yes, both. Yes. Yeah, it's got one of them. Yep. Yep. And, Sean, uh, Sean Astin. And that that right there is a deal breaker for me because I'm not watching anything with one of those two Corys in it. What? I know he was doing some good stuff, like Stand by Me. You didn't like Stand by Me? Oh yeah, I like that one. Yeah, he was all right in that one. All right. 
it was very it was kind of similar era it wasn't it was not a Corey's type of movie sean astin actually had the lead role in goonies uh josh brolin was his older brother who else uh, oh uh carrie green i think you might have brought up the, the movie uh lucas the Corey Haim. Yes, yeah right yeah. So, hey, by the way, there's another movie with a Corey that you said you like. So right now we can go ahead and throw out your you have no interest in Corey movies because you're you're a damn liar. You knew who I was talking about when I said the Corey's. You know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, absolutely. But Carrie Green, who was also in, in Lucas, the redhead, um, she is in Goonies. Um, Martha Plimpton is in Goonies. I think I get that movie and The Princess Bride mixed up, which I've never watched either. You've never watched The Princess? Oh, my good Lord. <laughs> uh, man, I don't know why anyone is You would think the amount of times that I didn't have a date, I'd have plenty of time to watch some of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll get in. Actually, no. But I want to get into The Princess Bride because that is also another untouchable. They better not ever remake it in my mind. Um. Uh, but Goonies, there's a lot of pop culture references that you have missed over the years. I know. Uh, and it's not, by the way, that I'm an idiot for not watching. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not your age. You weren't too old for the Goonies. First of all, I don't think you're ever too old for the Goonies. I, man, they were good enough for Cindy Lauper. I think they could be good enough for you. Uh, uh, no, man, but yes, that would be a great one. Please don't don't touch that my that Twitter meme that was what is your your uh most mundane celebrity encounter or something like that. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, Robert Davi, uh character actor Robert Davi, who is is in the Goonies. He held the door for me at a coffee shop in Manhattan once. Um <laughs> uh that that was that was mine. Uh, One but, of his movies is on this list, by the way, that I'm going to talk about. Oh, okay, all right, good, good. So, uh, uh, Joe Pantaleone. It's it's a great cast. It's a it's really kind of a who's who's cast of a lot of people who got big later in their careers. So it's it's fun to 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 watch. So no, they should never ever remake that. Uh, they would pick a bunch of whiny actors that I don't like. They'd put in a lot of cheesy dialogue. They would try too hard to make it relatable and too nostalgic, and it would be terrible. They shouldn't do that. I would agree with that. And Sean uh, asked be some yes. part of an older person that has a cameo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sean Astin would show up as one of the new Goonies dads, especially because he would be the one. He was the one that Goonies never say die, and now he'd be the dad telling them to give up and grow up and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, man, I, I think I think you would like Goonies. I really think you should give it a try. Uh, Princess Bride is one. Uh, before we jump on to the next one, that if it if it wasn't on the list, should be on the list. Um. First of all, you're never going to ever replace Fred Savage or Peter Falk in any role ever. But also, uh, Carrie Elwes and and Robin Wright were so perfect in that in that movie, so charming and funny. 
I, you know, it's everything you love about Carrie Elwes and like Robin Hood men in tights with everything you like about him and in, in some of his more serious roles. Uh, it's the movie where I fell in love with Robin Wright and still have like a, a little kid crush on her to this day. Uh, fantastic story telling it's the best Rob Reiner film ever made. Um, you can't, you can't. Wow. Yeah, you can't touch it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed in you in a way that I don't even know how to express. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Please direct all of your, uh, your hate mail to at Sig Granddad. The next episode is just just read out mean tweets of <laughs> why Goonies was should not be watched. Oh man! I mean, I could understand if you were twenty years older or thirty years younger. I know it was right in my wheelhouse. I'm aware. I just i I didn't watch it. Didn't watch okay. it. All right. Well, let's let's move on before I before I straight uh, up lose it. Uh, the Holy Grail, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Never seen it. You've never seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Never seen that one either. Yeah, I don't know that that one's on a list of untouchable you can't remake, but that's on that is definitely one that it's a niche comedy. I could get why you hadn't seen it. Uh, a lot of people, I don't think. Uh, get it, and I don't say get it as in it's too intellectual or too wry or too sardonic right. or whatever. Just and I, they don't get what's funny about it. That's fine. That's totally a a sense of humor type of thing. Did you watch any of kind of the the Monty Python, like no. any of the Flying Circus or any of that type of stuff? Fish Called Wanda was about the only one I watched. And I okay. barely remember that one. Okay, yeah. And Fish Called Wanda is, while absolutely a fantastic film. That's more mainstream, I think. Yeah, that's not that's not kind of the absurdist comedy that, that Monty Python was. Um, I, you get, you know, Michael Palin and, and John Cleese give some great performances. Kevin, Kevin Klein's best role, uh, in, in my opinion, um, is A Fish Called Wanda. But, yeah, I... Monty Python. I don't even know how you would go about remaking that because that's so much about uh, the spirit of who Monty Python was. I don't even think that you could do a remake that that's untouchable. Not just because of its classic, you know, not because it's classic and timeless. I mean, it is classic, but but because it it I wouldn't it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. All right. I got. I got. A few more are on this list that we can go really quick on. Um, Young Guns. Young Guns, I would agree that, you know, seminal, absolutely perfect for the for the time and the people that were in it. You can't really, there's not kind of that group of Lou Diamond Phillips, Val Kilmer, Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland type of group. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, die Hard. Quote, simply because they would try to not make it a Christmas movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think I think the problem with with remaking Die Hard is I think they already have a billion yeah. times over. Yes. Every, every other action movie since then uh, has had a sarcastic anti-hero hero. Uh, you know, especially kind of that Cold War era, vague Eastern European bad guy. Um, People trapped in an environment that has to be saved. Yeah. Speed yeah. on a bus or. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. You can't remake Die Hard partially just because it's already been every other action movie since then has been uh, a poor man's Die Hard. So, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Uh, somebody brought up on Twitter Hellraiser. I've never seen it. It's been a long time. I'm not going to even express an opinion on that one. <laughs> uh, never seen it, and I'm not a I'm not a horror movie fan, anyways. So, huh. um, and then mine would probably be Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, Reservoir Dogs is is interesting. I think. Well, first of all, Quentin Tarantino pulls from so many other genres and yeah. copycats so many other movies uh, in general that it would be, you know, trying to do a remake of a remake in some way, shape, or form. Um, I don't know who you cast in a modern-day Reservoir Dogs. If if you had to go through that, I don't know who you cast. Honestly, yeah. Those actors are so perfect for that era. I don't know how you. I don't. The, who's the modern day Harvey Keitel? Oh wow. Who's the modern day Tim Roth? I don't. I don't think you can come up with those. No, you can't. Modern day. I mean, uh, that's the point. Is you almost would say the modern day Harvey Keitel would still be Harvey Keitel, <laughs> right? I mean, but I mean, if you're remaking uh, it thirty years later, you have to. Yeah, I don't know. That's a hard one, boy. I th- when they, I always find it hard on on Ted's podcast for Matinee Baseball when they do that at the very end, and they're like, "Okay, you're going to remake this movie. Who do you name for this?" And you're like, "You got to come up with something off your top of your head." And I think I always go to the same people over and over again. And that's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I should probably think about that before I listen to this podcast to see what my answer is going to be, but. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I still say Corbin Burnson and uh, Charlie Sheen for for Major League. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you can't replace those guys. Major League—that's another one. I think that that uh, you know maybe a little formulaic, but I would hate to see them try to make a new Major League. Oh, I love Major League. I love that movie. I just that movie. I, the probably the four most quotable movies for me are Major League. Uh Tombstone, <laughs> um, Wedding Crashers, and Forty Year Old Virgin. <laughs> I would sit next to each other at, at when we worked at Wells Fargo, and we would literally just just randomly just throw that shit out there all day long. We would just we'd get off the phone. And we were like, Jesus, it's like playing cards with my sister's kids or something. <laughs> <laughs> And also, Tombstone uh, has the best gifs uh, out there as well. Like, yeah, there's not, no. There's yeah, not absolutely. one that I can't use for for some scenario, I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's 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 a that's a good point. Um, 
trying to think what other ones I had said Caddyshack earlier. I think I would hate to see part of that's just because that's a that's a bygone era, right? Like golf clubs don't have caddies like they used to. Um I watched uh, Meatballs this weekend. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, I which felt like you know it was just this whole thing where you know this was like Meatballs and Caddyshack were kind of like this pre just before John Hughes, so like this pre John Hughes where people talking about their teenage experience wasn't like talking about angst; it was just talking about like silly hijinks and you know vague kind of everyman nostalgia moments so you had summer camp with meatballs and you had you know working uh as a caddy in caddyshack and you know mm-hmm. kind of all that this kind of this this over-the-top silliness i think some of that would be kind of hard i don't know what the modern day equivalent to summer camp counselor or i don't or caddy or you know some of those things what those would be that movie though that movie type the the one that i can think of the most that is probably in that genre that's more recent and i i guess i shouldn't say it's recent it's probably been i don't know 15 years are the american pie movies yeah i suppose suppose. yeah that's that's fair that's fair right but those were that was to me was the re-emergence of like the teen comedy raunchy teen comedy um genre of that one and again the second one to me is the is the best one of that of that series when they're yeah, no i i know the two lesbians did to touch each other or whatever <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I never laughed so hard in a movie in my life that's uh that's not one that i i guess i hadn't i wouldn't have put that uh, that kind of comparison together but yeah that actually that fits really well um you know, and, and kind of the 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 impact it had on culture at the time, right? I mean, there, you can never tell a story about Bandcamp without anyone. You right. can't say the words Bandcamp without anyone bringing up that movie, right? You yep. can't. It, you know, people don't think about pies the same way. Uh, poor Jason Piggs is always going to be locked into, you know, no matter how many other movies he's made that were actually okay. Saving Silverman, for instance. Um, oh my God, I love that movie. Yeah. Uh, my hated that movie. I watched it and she hated that thing. Hated it and I loved it. Oh uh, man, I mean, you get, you get, uh, you get Amanda Pete, you get uh, Neil Diamond for Pete's sake. Timothy's uh, is a low-key great comedy actor that I just think is really talented that doesn't get enough. Oh, oh, oh! Zahn totally does not get get the love he should for sure. Yep. Um, interesting. Okay, so now let's go ahead and and flip this around a little bit. What about movies or TV shows that you wouldn't mind exploring a little bit more or through a new lens? Uh, I, on my list. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that it's almost it would be an extension of it would be Beverly Hills Cop. Huh. OK, tell me more. Because one and two was amazing. Uh huh. Three was an absolute travesty to God. Should have never been made. I don't acknowledge that three exists. Uh, right. Like that should not even count. <laughs> should not even count. 
they should totally remove that and and, and do an extension off of two. Uh-huh. I would be curious to see a uh, uh, further development of like Taggart and Rosewood. Yeah, I think Taggart especially. I I enjoyed Taggart's character way more than I did Rosewood. I I think I think internal conflict with that guy. <laughs> I think right? Rosewood. I think the thing that's interesting about him is that he's just this you know sweet, goofy, lovable guy, but he's like all into like guns and you know whatever. Uh, you know, Taggart had you know issues with his wife and and you know is a kind of a complicated character but i think it'd be interesting especially to see the two of them play off a little bit more uh or are you thinking that axel foley you're seeing him you know in detroit like like how, what do you what are we thinking about i with think this? i think it would be super cool if they almost reversed it because beverly hills cop but you got taggart and rosewood having to come to the nitty gritty crazy streets of detroit Ah, oh, yeah, I, I I like that. It's kind of like the whole crocodile Dundee swap, where one took place in Australia, and one took place in New York. Yeah. Okay. Uh boy, there's there's a movie that shouldn't get remade, but not because it's classic and untouchable, but just because we don't need to have, uh, unless Paul Hogan is really, is he, I assume he's still alive. I don't know. Unless Paul Hogan is really in need of money. <laughs> I, I don't know. Sort of. Short of those two movies, those are the only ones that I know of. Yeah, well, that he's um, but no, I, I, uh, I, I like this idea of Taggart and Rosewood going to, 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 uh, you know, Detroit and having, you know, the hubcaps stolen off their car the second they get into town, and and you know, that type of of approach. Um, what else? What what else do you have that that would be interesting to to explore a little bit further? So the other one that I think would be kind of cool to do is an obscure movie called The Last Starfighter. You ever seen that? I have. I even had a Last Starfighter uh, comic book, like a really? little, yeah, a little like graphic novel from it. Yeah, absolutely. I, that movie was super cool when I was a kid. And again, I, I was, I you know, video arcade. Things like that, but the, the the ability now to adapt that to virtual reality and VR and the technology that they have now mm-hmm. would be super cool. I mm-hmm. think that 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 was the other one off the top of my head that I thought of that would be that you could totally take today's genre and 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 technology and so on and fit that into a movie plot. Sure. No. Okay. Yeah. No. I like that. I like that. Yeah, that would be interesting. I, I think so much of that of that kind of approach has, has um or that that style of movie has been redone and developed and improved and advanced and all the advances in CGI and all the advances in and so many other things. Yeah, I think, you know, your point about technology improving and, and what we know now. Again, it's funny to to, to see some of these things like you know i was watching a bit of war games the other day and you know some of these these movies where you know advanced technology from 30 years ago just looks silly uh, mm-hmm. now and so it would be fun to see um 
I like that. I, I think that's a good list. Uh, there's one movie that we talked about that I've, I haven't, or we haven't talked about that I haven't decided in my mind if this is untouchable or if it would be interesting to see someone new kind of take it on. Uh, and that is um, Real Genius. Mm. Did you watch that one? I did watch that one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, li- I like the implications of a, you know, it's, it's sort of like the, you know, it had, you know, some of the things that like Van Wilder pulled from, I think pulled from Real Genius and just that mm-hmm. it was the, you know, the, the uh, older college student that is more about hijinks and pranks than he is about, you know, getting things done. I think there was some real kind of conflict with with the, you know, the whole defense contract aspect of that that I think could be updated, uh, you know, especially in the world of drones and drone strikes and, and, you know, killing. And if they had, you know, it kind of fell along some of the same moral questions that that we see face now in modern warfare of that it's all hands off and you're killing without um without seeing the enemy type of thing. Uh, I think you could, you could have kind of some new kind of fun pranks. I don't know who I would have in that, that role in that, that Val Kilmer role. Um, mm. Man, I don't how know. Would, how would it be in that movie? It's supposed to be what? 18, 19. Well, I think, I think, I think Val Kilmer's character is probably in his early twenties. Okay. So I and I know that this guy is older than that, but I, to me that would be somebody like Zach Efron because he still looks young enough to play that role that age. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, that's probably not not a bad pick. Uh, he's got enough kind of confidence to him where he could kind of throw off that. Maybe I just don't know enough kind of young cocky actors right now yeah uh, that's kind of my problem too yeah no i suppose that's true but that would be an interesting one for me i think that i think you could do uh, an interesting take and and uh reimagine it um well here's one that i i it's a everybody that i've ever talked to absolutely hates this movie mm-hmm. i personally love it i think it's great I got dragged to it on a on a Thanksgiving night with my brother in law. We would go see a movie every Thanksgiving evening, and I, at one point during this movie, I looked over and he was sound asleep. It was that boring to him, and I loved it. Is the Postman with Kevin Costner? Yeah, you've mentioned and, liking that, and it and it goes right along with like your love of Creed, man. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a remake. We redo the Postman. With the soundtrack by Creed. That's a hit. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> actually, actually, the guy that sings, the lead singer of Creed could play the Tom Petty character oh, in that movie. Now, see, now we're, we, that's a million dollar idea. Oh, yeah. Well, it is a million dollar idea, which, you know. In, in today's box office, only making a million dollars is a flop. 
<laughs> wow. Wow. Um, I mean, I suppose with that movie, you know, it, it, it kind of goes along. It's pretty good, though. Right. I mean, the thought and the premise of that movie is pretty good as far as a post-apocalyptic like world. You know, it's just the whole postman thing. I get it loses people. And I get it. But, you know, if if you hadn't had Mad Max. um, Before the postman, maybe it would have a little bit more, but I think. That kind of set the tone for that type of like po- post-apocalyptic kind of what people expected, I guess. It set a certain expectation that that movie didn't deliver on. Yeah. And I think, didn't Waterworld come out right before that? Was that before or after? I think it was right before. I think you had back, I think Costner had back-to-back flops, and I think it was Waterworld and then The Postman. Yeah, and, so, and I think that probably both of them you know, post-apocalyptic type event storylines probably didn't do him justice. So he had a string of those. Although I stand by the fact that I thought that Wyatt Earp, his version of Wyatt Earp is not as popular. And I don't, I I like Tombstone, but Uh, Wyatt Earp tells the story better. I think. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I, I get all of those Westerns all confused. I think I did that earlier, too, when we were talking about Young Guns. Uh, but it 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 does... They all kind of run together just because they were all kind of in the same... I, I think my biggest problem with Wyatt Earp was just that it was Kevin Costner. Yeah, probably. Um, uh, I don't know. That, that guy... It, He's not the world's worst. He's certainly not Bill Paxton bad. I like I I have a, I have a big problem with Bill Paxton. That guy thinks that acting is just smiling while talking. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, man. I, maybe I'll have to go back and watch Wider. Uh, like I said, that it, it all kind of blends together for me at this point. I I there was that whole, you know late 80s early 90s bon jovi soundtrack western movie uh that was going on at the time um that's young guns too well yeah exactly yeah um man oh i just had another one uh that i was thinking of shoot uh well Part of old man strength is being old and losing your memory. So uh, maybe it'll come right. to me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so let's go ahead. The kind of the, the third question I asked you before I went to break. Uh, let's let's go ahead and take this silly conversation about about movies and remaking what is old and what uh, new again and how sometimes it's a bad idea and how sometimes maybe it's good to look at things through a new lens. What's, what's maybe kind of your, your, your Chris Shipley practical application for this? Well, right before this, um, I was upstairs and Stacey and I were flipping through just trying to find something to watch. And we stumbled upon this documentary on, uh, on Disney plus called uh, Imagineers. Mm-hmm. And it's all about his vision of building Disneyland. And as I'm watching it, and the the 
chances that he takes and the vision that he has of doing something totally out of the realm that everybody told him was a bad idea. Because at the Mm -hmm. time, you know, any type of an amusement park was like a dirty old carnival with, you know, crazy attractions and, and it was, and amusement, those types of things weren't doing very well, but he had this vision of seeing something that he wanted to do and having the faith to do it. And, and, and he put his company on the line. I mean, that, Disney at that time, according to this, was was a small company. It wasn't like they were the juggernaut that they are now where they could make a decision and, and, and financially survive that. So it, it's funny that we talk about all these remakes and these, and these retreads and doing the same thing over and over again. And you sometimes miss the ingenuity and the, and the exciting new ideas that people come up with that I mean, it's easy to steal somebody's idea, right? It's easy to just take something, take something that somebody else did, and just doing it over again. Yeah. But to have the vision to to try something new, to try something different, try something outside your comfort zone. That's what I think is lost a lot nowadays. Oh, for for sure. I mean, I see this a lot in music. We sometimes hear, oh, there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to music, and it's the same. Uh, yeah, those songs do start to sound the same after a while. Uh, you know, it's where somebody like, like Prince was so revolutionary because he could take elements of what people were listening to. He could take something like New Jack Swing and combine it with funk and combine it with 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 soul and rock and hip-hop and and make it something new um i think uh that does kind of get lost and that people you know want to give so many homages to the past or nods to what they learned and respect for for their influences uh but yeah it it does sometimes feel like so many of these tv shows and movies and and whatnot are just uh, you know the 2020 version of something that already exists. Uh, so, I, well, and now I, you know, probably the irony of ironies. Uh, man, half the crap that Disney's putting out is just, you know, an an updated live action CGI version of The Lion King, or an updated yep. live action CGI version of. Uh, Mulan or you know I mean <laughs> Disney is as guilty of it as anybody uh so you know it's almost kind of a slap in the face to his legacy and his his daring to to try something new for sure yeah well and you can apply it though to everything outside of arts i'm talking about just in general in life of just taking a chance on something or mm-hmm. or getting out of your comfort zone or doing something that out of the norm that you wouldn't normally do i you know i when i started um and moved to to the company that i work for now i i was in a pretty comfortable job at wells fargo punching a clock but at some point i was like i i just want something I want to try something different, right? Mm-hmm. I could sit here and do the same thing over and over again and, and collect my paycheck and, and until I, you know, retire, or I can try to find something that I really enjoy doing and, 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 or challenge myself. And that, that's how you progress in life and you become, uh, 
more of a of a well-rounded person to me right i yeah i tell my kids all the time that well caitlin's a good example when we moved when we lived in des moines and we were going to move to norwalk and she was just starting eighth grade and she didn't want to move and she didn't want change and she didn't want this and i was like you can't you can't live your life just sitting here all the time you have to you have to things are going to change in life the earth and 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 everything else is going to revolve around you and and change and you're either going to have to adapt to that or you're going to be left behind mm-hmm. things aren't always going to be the same yeah and i think i think there's one thing that i've learned is to look to your past for guidance look to your past for inspiration look to I, uh, what people have done before you that we don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time, but at the same time, people found new uses for a wheel, right? It wasn't just about transportation. It, it became a gear. It became a clock. It became all these other things, right? And so finding that balance between being inspired by the past while creating something new that might inspire someone else for the for the future and i think that's that's probably you know certainly easy to say harder to execute but i think it's something uh valuable to keep in mind for sure i was listening to the radio the other day and they were talking about um i don't know something about what this person was going to eat or whatever and and one of the guys was like who, who, well, and we talked about it, about the, the short pants, right? Mm-hmm. Like at some point somebody decided that's going to be a good idea. And then the next person looked at that and thought, that's a great idea. I should try that too. It's kind of the same deal. Like at some point, nobody had the uh, concept of an ink pen or of trying to fly or, or any of those things until there was one dude that had this crazy idea that he thought he was going to try something and the rest of the world was like, you're an idiot. Yeah. And on a smaller scale, you might in life have a decision to make and go, well, uh, I could just sit here and be comfortable and not take a chance and watch the world pass me by. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's don't, don't get me wrong. It's scary, right? Doing something new is, is, uh, you know, it takes a lot of fortitude and you have to be, first of all, you have to be in an environment where you're given the freedom to fail, but you have to be willing to fail. And, and we will talk next time in the next episode about the many times that we have failed. Well, there's a little, that's what's known in the biz as a teaser. Uh, <laughs> but, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that, but I think in order to, to kind of take some of the biggest steps in life, you have to be willing to take the wrong step every now and then. I, uh, I've, I've said a couple of times that I, one of the things that I do in my free time is um, some charity work. And I'll just briefly touch on this because it, it, it kind of fits into that. Every year, the organization that I'm part of um, does a charity auction and dinner and so on. And then we give college scholarships to kids in, in the Norwalk area that are um, based off of financial need and grades and so on. And it's a thousand dollar scholarship. 
And every year that we had done it, um, the head of the the head of the organization gets elected to that position every year, and then whoever's the head of that particular organization for the year runs that dinner dance, is what we call it. Mm-hmm. And new to the town, new new to to the organization, I I think I was two years in when I became the leader of this thing, and I I remember coming home, and I think we had raised six thousand dollars after expenses and everything else. We had raised like six thousand dollars to give six one thousand dollars scholarships, which is great. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I remember just sitting there, leaning up to it, thinking, I have all this pressure of, I got to make sure that I can get what we had before. I've never done anything like this in my life. I've never fundraised. I've never, I've never ran a dinner. I've never ran an auction. I've never ran any of this stuff. I don't have any idea how to do this. And it was a constant circle of worry leading up to it. Like, I'd be like, well, I, what if nobody comes? But I have all this stuff. But if if I have all this stuff, is it going to be enough? And what if I don't have enough dinner for the people that are going to be there? But then what happens if nobody comes? And then I do this whole circle of worry. I would sit there all night long and worry and worry and worry. And at some point I was like, fuck it. Like it's the, the train is on the track at this point. So there's not anything I can do about it. We're just go with it. We're just, you know. And that first year I raised $15,000 after expenses. And I was like blown away that we had, I, I couldn't believe it, mm-hmm. but I was so afraid to, to fail that I would like, well, I'm going to email this company and see if I can get a donation from this person. What's it going to hurt me if I email it? They're just going to laugh it off. They'll delete the email, but it takes me five seconds to send this off. Yeah. And every year since then, at that point I was like, no, well, now I feel like I don't want to give it up. Right. Yeah. Like now I want to, I want to see what I can do next year. On average, for the last seven years, we have given anywhere from fifteen to nineteen one thousand dollars scholarships seven years in a row. Wow, that's, that's crazy, amazing. right? Yeah. Um, to the point now where it's almost an albatross around my neck. I can't get rid of this thing. <laughs> uh, and oh, but, no. yeah. But now with this year and and COVID, I don't have any idea how we're going to do this. Right. And it's a brand new challenge. And I could, and, and if I'm going to take my own advice, I could sit here and go, well, let will just see what happens. Or I can take on the challenge and see what we can do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd like to touch on a lot there uh, that sometimes fear is a good motivator. <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, uh, I think, you know, and uh, there's also maybe a, uh, a concern about, uh, the complacency that comes with, with with confidence so that you have to always kind of be challenging yourself to to be doing uh great things but you also have to be kind of rolling with the punches i think 2020 has taught a lot of people that uh you know what they say about the best laid plans of mice and men right like like we have constant challenges that are coming at us so you know plan away but be prepared to not have any clue what what is coming next for sure and i think i think you know that's where that's where you can lean on the past to help give you an idea of what to do uh, but also know that that is not even a roadmap it's kind of a point in the right direction and now you got to do something new yep completely completely agree well, in that in that spirit, Chris, uh, one thing 
that I will challenge you something new that I would like you to do this week is watch Goonies. I would like you to challenge yourself uh, to to sit down and watch that movie uh, and report back. And if you don't like it, um, then you're wrong. I think it's probably the easiest way. Of <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it, and you're welcome to to give a challenge to me. Any any challenges for me for for the coming week? Oh, I'll tell you what. We're we're gonna we're gonna talk about in two weeks failures and 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 mistakes you've made and how that shaped you and how you try to try to just think of one or two decisions or and I and I won't call them regrets because sure. I don't think you regret anything. But if you'd look back and wish that you made a different decision, um, how that impacted some things in your life, and we'll talk about that next time. Oh, that's 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 absolutely perfect. Um, it was awesome. good. It was good to have a nice, fun conversation, especially after the last few weeks. And we, we as a collective group, have been talking about just how much it feels like there's a little bit of a weight lifted, right? Because the election's over, regardless of who won or lost, it's just the negativity that was out there so much that it's kind of lifted a little bit. Well, and just uh, this this impending sense of who knows what, right? There's just, right. you know, I there was there was someone, I don't know, three weeks ago that I was like, I can't wait uh, for the election. They're like, are you feeling confident about the election? I said, I'm feeling anxious to just get it over with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's good. It's good to, to go ahead and take take some time to 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 just kind of talk about something a little bit more uh, lighthearted. Because man, uh, sometimes you just need to be able to get some of that weight off and just focus on on some of the, the more fun aspects for sure. You bet. Yep, it was a good time. Awesome. Uh, well, again, as always, Chris, thank you very much for, for your candor. I look forward to next week. Again, a shout-out to our sponsor, Deadeye Barbecue Sauce. Once again, the best damn barbecue sauce in the known universe. Please find them on the web at deadeyebbq.com. You can find them at Hy-Vee's Fairways around the Midwest, online at locallymarket.com. Uh, check out their website, please, to learn all about their flavors and where else you might be able to find them. And please check us out on the web at thetailgatesociety.com. Find us on Twitter. Chris, remind them of the Twitter handle. Uh, it is at strength underscore old. Old man strength <laughs> podcast. Yes. Yeah, so, so look for uh, the old man strength podcast. We will be throwing out questions, comments, soliciting advice, things you want to talk about, things you have to say, ways you can tell us we're wrong, ways to make fun of Chris for not having Zingoonies or the Princess Bride and how big of a, a travesty that is. Please, please uh, let us know uh, how terrible he should feel about that. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, other than that, Chris, any other uh, words of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with. Wear a mask. Stay safe.
Yes, absolutely. Please do. Please wear a mask. Please don't have to be in quarantine like I am right now. Please take care of yourselves and one another. Once again, I am Tim Johnson, joined by Chris Shipley, and this has been Old Man Strength. I don't want to get on the bandwagon. I'll burn that wagon down and join the band. Traveling troubadours terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands. Now I waited all my life to get this off my chest screen, buddy murder until someone understands that it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women. I make this noise just because I can. And we'll all join in to that original sin.